0: I wanted to uh, look this morning uh, at the uh, reason why we believe that Jesus died on a Wednesday. And I know to some that may be watching or listening, they say, why spend a whole sermon preaching on that or talking about that? That's irrelevant uh, and everything. Well, number one, the Bible says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Okay? And we talked last week about the importance of doctrine. We, we've seen last week that doctrine is very important, that the Bible tells us that we need to watch our lives and our doctrine closely, uh, that we, if, if someone comes and doesn't have the doctrine of Christ, that we're not to receive them. Well, the teaching about Christ is very important, and the Bible has some things to say about what happened whenever Christ died. If you remember, many times throughout... Christ's ministry uh, they the leaders tried to kill Jesus and he never did allow them to do that and whenever that would happen he would say my time has not yet come now the only reason he says that is not just to fill in some words but the reason he said his time has not yet come was because there was an appointed time ordained of God for him to be crucified And that ordained time was not only an ordained time from the foundation of the before the foundation of the world uh by God just in him ordaining a day for him to die, but it also was in an accord with all the Old Testament types and foreshadows. Jesus came and he even said, He said, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfil the law. Okay? He didn't just come and say, okay, the law is done. No, he came to fulfill all of that law on our behalf. And once that law is fulfilled as our substitute, he would die for us according to the law, according to the scriptures, as Paul said in Acts, uh, or excuse me, as Paul said in Corinthians, uh, he died according to the scriptures. And in dying according to the scriptures, he became our substitute So that everything the law demanded, everything that God's justice required was laid to our account because Christ fulfilled all the law and he did it all for us. And so the day on which Jesus died is important because it falls along with all the types and the foreshadows and the feast and the festivals that God gives for Israel to uphold and to keep. And Christ, he isn't going to come in and just blow that out of the water and just all of a sudden not do something after he's already lived his whole entire life in keeping everything, fulfilling everything of the law. Jesus even said, you know, everything that the Father has given me to do, I've come to do. You know, I've, I've done everything that the Father's told me to do. Everything that the Father has required, I've done. It. And why is now is he going to stop and, and say, well, I tell you what, I know that the Old Testament says that the lamb and the Passover was on the 14th day, but we're going to wait and we're going to do it on the 16th day or the 15th day. Okay? That's not that's not how it worked, you know? And so there is some importance to it. Now, am I going to am I going to not fellowship with somebody who believes Christ died on Thursday or on Friday? No, I'm not going to break fellowship with somebody like that. Am I going to try to encourage them? in the truth of what the scriptures say and maybe point them to the scriptures or if they can come and they can correct me with scriptures now I'm not going to be corrected by men's traditions <laughs> I'm not going to listen to that and I'm not going to listen to some, uh, uh, some theologian who's trying to twist words and make words sound like things that they shouldn't be if God's word supports it then I'll listen to that I'll, as long as the Holy Spirit teaches me and corrects me i I'm, I, I'm, I know that I'm uh, uh, often uh, have have error so that's why we want to look at God's word and let God's word develop the timeline and when Jesus died and again like I said I'm not going to break fellowship with anybody like that so don't think anybody that's watching or listening or anybody here. Think that I'm getting on a high horse about Wednesday crucifixion, and if you don't believe that, then I'm not going to have anything to do with you. That's not true uh, and everything, So, uh, but it is. I do think it is important, uh, as is everything in Scripture is important. So where do we begin uh, looking at this topic of, uh, and, and by the way, we do this every now and then, uh, we do expositional preaching through the Scriptures. Uh, but occasionally we'll do topical things and sometimes we'll do just teaching things that is really not a you know necessarily what someone will call a a preaching preaching, but it would be just kind of a teaching uh, of some things as we kind of categorically look at something and uh, go through the scriptures trying to find and see what all the Bible teaches about that and that would be what we'd be doing today Um, so where would we start if we are we're saying that Christ uh, died on a Wednesday uh, and that um, that's very important where would we begin to look at the account of um, where Jesus uh, uh, has clearly taught uh, and that we can clearly go and look at and begin to see uh, what he meant by uh, what day he was going to be Crucified. What day he was going to be resurrected? Now we already know very clearly what day he was going to be resurrected on, right? The Bible is very, very, very clear on that. The Bible says that he uh, that he rose on the third day, and the Bible also says that it was as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, right? Now traditionally, it's everybody says, well, that's Sunday. He he rose on Sunday morning, daytime as the dawn come up as the sun come up, but that's Western thinking, that's that's United States thinking, <laughs> that's uh, Roman uh, Catholic thinking, okay, that's not, uh, that's not biblically thinking, that's definitely not Jewish thinking, right, uh, and we're going to learn that here this morning, Lord willing, so would we start with uh, the New Testament, well, many would say, well, that's probably where we ought to start but I, I'm going to start this morning at the Old Testament. And we're going to look in the Old Testament at a few things because I want you to uh, understand we've we got to get a mindset that's not uh, Americanized. Okay, A lot of the things that we think about the Bible often come because we are uh, thinking like Americans. We're thinking like Western people. We're thinking like modern day people and not how this was written to the people that it was written to or how it began, and um, so uh, let's look this morning. So turn with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter one. <clears throat> Genesis chapter one. Now, the reason I want to start here is because uh, one of the one of the disagreements, whether it's a Thursday or whether it's a Friday, whether it's a Wednesday, crucifixion, all comes down to the. To the term three days and three nights, right? And some people say that three days—that uh, there, as we've seen on the video that we watched a while ago—that uh, uh, three days, they will say, well, the Jews uh, used to uh, determine that you know a part of a day was a day, okay? And I've heard that I've heard that argument said. Matter of fact, I used to use that argument, by the way, back whenever I, I believed in a Friday crucifixion. They used to use that same argument that they use the day as part of the day, okay? Uh, and then there would be those who uh, would say that uh, um, that you start at a certain time, but they use uh, midnight to midnight, which is our time frame. And so, um, but let's look at what the scripture says in Genesis chapter one. We always want to establish everything by how God defines it, how God sets it up, what God says about it, right? Uh, we don't look to the theologians, uh, we don't look to the, uh, historians. I don't care what you pull up in history, if the Word of God contradicts that, the Word of God is the truth. Men's histories often are found full of lies. You just take a look, you, you, I've got a library half full of history books on the church. And probably three-fourths of those books disagree with each other about how church history is. They disagree with each other. Well, somebody's wrong and somebody's right. Not everybody's right because they say different things. Now, everybody can be wrong, or some people can be right and some people can be wrong. But they can't all be right, right? So whenever we look at history books, at the very most, we might fall on something that might be true here or there, but the only thing that is all truth is God's word, and so I'm always going to lean on God's word, even if it contradicts the plain teaching of history from all the history theologians, and that's that's been the case over the course of time. I found that God's word contradicts a lot of what is being said in today's society, and we just follow what the word of God says. Now. God is the one who has created all things. He is the one who has instituted all institutions. And he is also the one who has created and set up time. And time is accounted the way God has determined time to be accounted for. And in Genesis, we find that God has created And in creation, he did not create the sun at at the very first, at the very beginning. Okay? But he did create the sun and the moon and the stars to be for timepieces. Not, not, I I don't know what they're even called, but the people that deal with, with dates and times and all that kind of stuff, whatever they're called, that make calendars. Whether it's the Gregorian calendar, whether it's the Roman calendar, whether it's the Jewish calendar, whatever the case might be, we're going to go off of God's calendar. Okay? Now, look with me in Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 3, it says, God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. Okay, so here we have God, he's created light, and he's divided that, the light from the darkness, and he called the light day, and he called the night, or the darkness, night. And look at verse 5 there at the end, it says, and the evening and the morning were the first day. So here we see that God has established time, he has established a day. And in establishing a day, he has established it beginning with the evening. The evening and then the morning were the first day. Okay? So we got to keep that in mind as we go through the Word of God and how the people of God, the Jews and those that, of course, the Old Testament specifically, but in the New Testament, these Jewish believers, how they understood time, how they understood days, Whatever they worshipped and did these feasts and these uh, uh, festivals, all these feasts that the Lord had uh, uh, given for them and, and celebrations and, and remembrances and memorials, all of them went on God's time frame. Evening and morning was the first day. The beginning of the day started in the evening, not at midnight, not at noontime. Okay? That's something new that we observe in our country, in our society, in our civilization, we have a day that begins at midnight. Now, it kind of it kind of coincides with the Jewish right. It start our our day starts at nighttime. It's dark at night whenever the next day starts. I was up last night at midnight, and that was the start of Sunday for us. But it was dark outside. It wasn't daylight, so it still kind of follows the pattern. But the Jews believed that from sunset to sunset was one day. Okay? So from the time the sun set until the sun set again the next day, that was considered one whole day. And so there was an evening, and then there was a morning, and then that was a day. So it begins with dark and ends with dark. Right? Let's look. Does it still say that in other places? And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. So here we have it established two days consecutively. And it starts with the evening, ends with the next evening, right? Evening and the morning were the first day. After the morning time, then that which was light, right? The light was the morning, darkness was the evening, night time. And so he goes on, he says, And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together under one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and gathered together all the waters called, uh, uh, of the waters called, he sees. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and let the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after its kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And here it is. And the evening and the morning was the third day. And we just keep going on down from there, down to uh, verse 19. We see it again in the evening and the morning. Uh, was the fourth day. You go to verse 23, you see it again. Evening and the morning was the fifth day. In verse 31, we see, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made and rested on the seventh day from all his work. Therefore, on the seventh day, we now have what God instituted as a Sabbath. A day of rest, right? Sabbath. Now, does the Bible talk about this anymore? Are you saying, well, preacher, you're just kind of being too literal. That's not how they really understood that. Well, let's go and look at Leviticus chapter 23. Leviticus 23, which, by the way, this is where God establishes Uh, The uh, feasts in Leviticus 23 let's go down to verse 32 now this is after God established the uh, um, uh, Sabbath and everything and, and some of these feasts and we're going to talk about a little bit of these here in just a minute but I want you to mainly see this in verse 32 it says it shall be unto you a Sabbath of rest and ye shall afflict your souls and in the ninth day of the month, at even from even unto even shall you celebrate your Sabbath. So see, even back here, even on down in the in the Leviticus, after the Exodus, after uh, after God has established his law uh, among Israel, hundreds of years or however many years. I, I don't I don't I'll be honest with you, I don't I I've not ever studied all that, so I don't know how many years are in between everybody. But it was a long time from the creation down to Moses and the children of Israel and establishing of the law among Israel okay long time and even at this point they are viewing everything from even to evening now it means evening to evening that word even means evening to evening so they are to celebrate their Sabbath from evening time to the next evening time that is the Sabbath day evening and the morning one day Okay. Look, if you would, at Deuteronomy chapter sixteen. Deuteronomy chapter sixteen. Look with me, if you would, at verse uh, six. It says, "But at the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place His name in." There thou shalt sacrifice the Passover at even, at the going down of the sun, at the season that thou camest forth out of Egypt. So, here we see that the Passover lamb is to be killed at evening time. Okay? And that's the beginning of the day, is that evening. Now, let's go into Leviticus again, Leviticus chapter 23 again. Now that we've established that according to God, a day is from evening to evening, one day, let's look at how God established the Passover. Leviticus chapter 23, and look with me if you would. I tell you what, I'll go ahead and start at verse 1, but I'm going to read down to... Uh, probably verse 8. It looks like here. uh may go a little bit further. So then the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, Concerning the feast of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feasts. They're his feasts. Okay? They're not the church's feasts. Okay? They're his feasts. He determines how they are to be conducted, how they are to be uh, uh, honored how they are to be celebrated, right? He determines that. Brethren, there's no difference now in the New Testament, in the church, how God has set for himself to be memorialized. In the Old Testament, God memorialized himself, what he has done for his people. The Passover was a memorial to celebrate what he had done for Israel, right? And bring them out of Egypt. It was a memorial unto God Of his deliverance of his people. In the New Testament. God has established within the church. Two ways. Well besides preaching. But two ordinances. To keep. To memorialize what God has done. For his people. And those two ordinances. Are the water baptism. And the Lord's Supper. Those are the two ordinances. That God has given. For the church to now memorialize because the law is over with. We don't keep the law. We don't take we don't have to keep the law. We don't we don't celebrate Shabbat. We don't celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We don't celebrate the Passover. We don't do all those things. Now Christ has given to his church, who is the head of the church by the way. He doesn't he doesn't take an opinion poll and ask you what you think. Or he doesn't ask the Pope what he should do. Right? Christ is the head of the church and he's given two memorials. Baptism and the Lord's Supper to memorialize him. He never did anywhere in Scripture say to celebrate his resurrection by a certain celebration. By some sort of a holy holy day. Or holiday as we would call them. He gave two Things Every time someone is baptized within the church, that is a memorial unto Christ. And then every time that we, as the local church, together, the members together, have the Lord's Supper, what is that? That is also a gospel message of a memorial of what Christ has done for us. And that's how he decided. And this is what God is saying. He said, these are my feasts. And just like now, these are Christ's ordinances. This is Christ's church and he wants to be honored and glorified and celebrated the way he has determined. And he never said anything about Christmas. He never said anything about uh, the Lord or uh, Easter being the days of celebrating. And he never said celebrate my birth. Now, do we, do, are we glad for the day that Christ's birth happened? Absolutely. For the day that, that Christ came in to begin his work as our substitute, we are grateful that he came. But there's nowhere in there that says that the church is to celebrate that in honor of Him. Now, if you at your house want to do whatever you want to do, that's up to you. But the church, as we meet and gather, that's not anything incumbent upon us. And I know our church has had people that have said stuff because we don't, you know, do Christmas stuff in, in the church services that, you know, hey, that's you guys are kind of weird, you know, how come kind of, wouldn't you want to celebrate? Well, Christ didn't tell us that we had to celebrate His his birth and he didn't tell us that we had to celebrate his resurrection as as far as setting the day aside for that right but it doesn't mean it's not important it doesn't mean that we don't teach it it doesn't mean that we appreciate those days and especially the resurrection my goodness the resurrection the bible talks a lot about the resurrection we preach about the resurrection matter of fact the reason we meet on Sundays is a, is in honor of or in in remembrance of that resurrection uh, that he that he had right but look what it says there in verse 3 six days shall work be done but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest a holy convocation ye shall do no work therein it is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings these are the feasts of the Lord even holy convocations which ye shall proclaim in their seasons so there's a specific time period there's a specific season that God has set these For a specific reason. You notice that? He says, in the 14th day of the first month, at even, at evening time, is the Lord's Passover. So now God has established, when does the Passover take place? It begins at the evening time of the 14th day of the first month. Also known to us as Nisan. I think the other uh, calendar calls it a bib or a bib or something like that. I, I, I'll be honest, like I said, I haven't really studied all that kind of stuff out. Uh, but like the 14th day of Nisan, I, I'm pretty for sure is, is, is the day that we're talking about. But the 14th day, the first month, right? And on the 15th day of the same month, that's the next day, right? You see that? Is the feast of unleavened bread unto the Lord. Seven days ye must eat unleavened bread. In the first day ye shall have a holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein, but ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord seven days. In the seventh day is a holy convocation, and ye shall do no servile work therein. Okay, so God has established here that the Passover is on the 14th day at evening time, beginning at the evening time, And that's when the Lord's Passover begins. On the 15th day, the next day, so we go from evening to evening. That's the 14th. At the beginning of the evening to the next evening is the 15th. That is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And that is considered a Sabbath day. It is considered a holy day. It is considered a high, or well, as we'll see in John, it will be considered a high Sabbath. It's the special Sabbath. It's not the weekly Sabbath. It's not Saturday. Okay? Throughout all of Jewish time, Saturday is the, is, is the last day of the week. It's the, it's the Sabbath day. Okay? That's what they considered Sabbath. So from evening time Friday till evening time on Saturday, that was the Sabbath day. Okay? Well, here we see that the Passover begins on the evening of the fourteenth, the evening of the fifth, or the, at the evening of the 4th, the next evening, beginning of the fifteenth, is the feast of unleavened bread. And he says, "That day you shall do no work. That's a high sab- or that's a Sabbath day, and that you need to keep that." Okay. So now remember that, because here in a minute we're going to see that there is this gap. In between one Sabbath and another Sabbath. There's two Sabbaths that week. There's a high Sabbath and there is the regular Sabbath. And if you have a a Friday crucifixion, you can't squeeze those two Sabbaths together. And as we've seen in that video, the Word of God would be incorrect if we have one passage saying that the women bought and prepared the spices before the Sabbath. And then it's saying that after the Sabbath, they brought the spices, or they uh, prepared the spices, okay? So, we can't, that doesn't work if we're saying that this Sabbath is the same Sabbath on the same day, okay? And we'll see that as we go further. So, we see in the Word of God that God teaches that there is an evening and a morning, and that establishes one day. It's from evening time to evening time. We see that God has established that at evening is whenever these things begin. So at the beginning of the day, which in their time is evening. And He has determined that the 14th day of the first month is when the Lord's Passover begins, and that the 15th day of the same month is whenever there is a Sabbath day that follows. It's the beginning of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. On the first day of that feast, you can't do any work. Now, after that day, even though it's still the Feast of Unleavened Bread going for seven days, they can do work as long as it's not on a regular Sabbath. Okay? So here we see that the day, the 15th, which would have been Thursday, that Thursday would have been a Sabbath day after Jesus died. We know that Jesus Whenever he was on the cross, they said, we've got to get him down off the cross. We've got to get him buried because we can't have dead people up on the cross on the Sabbath day. So we know that the day after Jesus died was a Sabbath day. Well, after that Sabbath day, the women couldn't, or that day that they did that, the women had no time to get spices, prepare spices, to go and anoint Jesus' body. They had to get him down because it was at the ninth hour. That was around 6 o'clock. It was almost dark time. It was almost time for uh, the next day to begin. And if that was the case, they would have been defiled because they had defiled the Sabbath day by having dead people touching and messing with dead people on Sabbath day. So they had to have him in the tomb and be done with him before the Sabbath day started, which was the evening of the 14th, beginning of the 15th, right? And the beginning of the 15th, Was to be a holy convocation. It was to be a high Sabbath. It was to be a special Sabbath. So they had to get that down. So the women couldn't have prepared spices. Before they put them in the tomb. So what happened? Well the Bible says that they did that. That they bought spices after the Sabbath. Well after Thursday. On Friday. Even though it was still the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It was not a high Sabbath. It was not the beginning of unleavened bread, but it was in the part of the middle of the unleavened bread. So they could now go out and do work. They could go out and buy, they can go out and walk as far as they want to walk. They could go and do whatever they wanted to do on Friday. And so there they went and prepared those things, but they not had to have it done before nighttime. Because at the beginning of nighttime goes into Saturday, which was their weekly Sabbath. So they went and they bought spices. They came and prepared the spices. But they couldn't go anoint the body of Jesus because the next day was the Sabbath. And so, the Bible says it was after the Sabbath that they took to go anoint the body of Jesus. So they couldn't have been talking about uh, they couldn't have been talking about uh, Thursday. So they had to be talking about Friday. But if they went to anoint the body of Jesus, that was on the day that he rose from the grave. Which was Sunday. Okay. Keep those things in mind. All right. So turn with me now to Matthew chapter twelve. Hope I'm not being too confusing. There's a lot. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in here, and I'll be honest with you. I, I'm going to stu- I want to study some of this a lot more. So I have it all up in here. I have to kind of jot down a little bit of notes here and there uh, for this, but I want to thoroughly know and understand uh, when these days come and go, and these feast days and stuff like that, so I, I'm more fluent in my understanding uh, of these things. But uh, for, for now, I just have to uh, write these things down and follow along as, as, the, as I can uh, myself. But in Matthew chapter 12, and this goes back to what I said last week about the importance of God's word and it being the truth and that every word in here is inspired of God, and it's the Word of God, and Christ is the Word of God. If anything that has been said in this book right here that we have preserved for us, anything that's said in here came from Christ because Christ is the Word of God. Right? Christ is the Word of God. And Christ sent His Spirit... To inspire these writers to write every word according to as he dictated it. It's his words. It's not Paul's words. It's not Peter's words. It's not Moses' words. These are the words of God. Christ being the manifestation of who God is. He is, the, he is God manifested in the flesh. So anytime you hear God, anytime you see God, who are you seeing and hearing? You're seeing Christ. He is the one who is the mediator between God and man. So if anything is mediated to God on account of man, it's through the man, Jesus Christ. And anything that's mediated to the people on behalf of God, it's the man, Jesus Christ. Okay? And so we have a whole study on that and we can do it another time as well to answer the questions about Old Testament stuff. But we don't have time for that today. Alright, Matthew chapter 12. Look with me if you would at starting in at verse 38. The reason I said all that is because of this. We take God's word over anything else, right? This is Jesus. Jesus is the one who created all things. The Bible says that He, uh, that uh, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. All things were created by him. There wasn't anything made that, that was not made. He has made all things, and all things were created by Him and for Him. Okay? So whenever we just read in Genesis that God created the heavens and the earth, and whenever we see that God created light and darkness and separated them and called them morning and night and called them the evening and the morning being the first day, that was Christ. That was Christ. So I think Christ... Not only being God who knows all things, not only being the Word of God who has spoken all things, not only being God who has created all things, but here we have Jesus who is telling us what time is all about. And he says this, uh, verse 38, it says that the same of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled which he spake, Lord hath who hath delivered our report and to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe because. Am I in the right spot? Oh, me, I'm in John. Sorry about that. I'm a little off. Matthew twelve thirty-eight. Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, "Master, we would see a sign from thee." But he answered and said unto them, "An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. I'm just going to make a side note to that. I'm going to maybe chase a little rabbit here. Do you see what Jesus said? An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after signs. These churches that all that all are about signs, whether it be prophecy signs or whether it be miraculous signs. You see these churches that all they do is they're looking in the newspaper, they're looking at the news, and they're looking at signs about everything. You know, Tim LaHaye, John Hagee, all these guys that are constantly talking about all the end time junk and everything. They're always looking for a sign. They're always looking for a sign. Blood moons and all that kind of junk. Wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and... Listen, there's been wars and rumors of wars ever since Christ died and resurrected. There has been famine. There has been pestilence. There has been drought. There has been diseases of all kinds. There has been all kinds of stuff. There has been fallings away of the church. People of the church. There has been ebbs and flows of of that. Listen, brother, it it, it continues in a cyclic pattern uh, and will until the Lord comes again. But also, think of the Pentecostals and those of uh, the Charismatic movement that they're all the time looking for a sign. You know, whether it's you know somebody speaking in tongues, whether it's somebody doing some miracle. Look at the Catholics who are all the time looking for miracles and everything with their uh, uh, with their uh, uh, what do they call it whenever they supposedly see you know Jesus's face and a piece of toast and all like this. You know, they have their shrines set up. Uh, all over the place with all their statues and icons and they're praying to to, to idols and they're, uh, you know, uh, what is it, whenever they supposedly somebody begins to bleed, you know, these statues begin to bleed and all this kind of stuff. And anyway, to us, we say, man, that's crazy, that's weird. But listen, that's really reality to some people and they believe that that's, they're looking after a sign. But Jesus said, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. Faith doesn't seek after signs. The Bible says that faith is the evidence of things uh, not seen, right? Faith uh, is the uh, substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It's not looking after signs. It says, that there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. Okay, so Jesus is about to give him something here, right? For as Jonas, and we're talking about Jonah here, by the way. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So right here, Jesus himself has declared how long he would be in the heart of the earth. Now, for those who say, Well, it was, He's, you know, that the Jews declare one day, you know, a part of a day is a day. That would probably be okay if Jesus had not said this. Three days and three nights. He added the fact that there was three days and three nights. So that is three full days from even to even, from even to even, from even to even. Three days, three nights. Evening and morning, first day. Evening and morning, second day. Evening and morning, third day. That is what Jesus is saying. Three days. Now, why do we claim that this is important? Because Jesus said three days and three nights. Because in the Old Testament, the Old Testament said that that was an evening and a morning. It began an evening and it ended an evening. Because God's word has determined the time frames. God's word has the time determined the days that the Passover would take place. God has determined the times in which Christ would die. He had a specific time that he would be be, be crucified. Look with me, if you would, in Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. And look down, at uh, uh, if you would, with me down to verse 60. Matthew chapter 26. Actually, let's start uh verse... Uh, 57. So then they that had laid hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him afar off under the high priest's house and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death, but found none yea though many false witnesses came yet found they none at the last came two false witnesses and said this fellow said I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days so here again is another account where it would be three days Jesus and of course this goes back to uh, to the account um in, uh, 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 in uh, John chapter two, I believe it is, where Jesus has said, "You know, uh, destroy this temple, and I will build it back up again in three days." Right. So here we see another, another illusion or another uh, uh, witness to the fact that Jesus Himself said that whenever this body is destroyed, dies. It's going to be raised back up again in three days. It's going to be built back again in three days. Now look at uh, Matthew 27 over to verse 62. Matthew 27 verse 62. This is after Jesus has died. The religious leaders were afraid that the disciples were going to lie about Jesus' And steal his body. You know that there are people today that still hold that Jesus' body was stolen, and it really didn't raise from the dead. That he, they say that he really did die and say he did, and that they just stole his body. There's other uh, there's other people that say that Jesus was buried in a shallow grave, and that dogs and animals came and got the body and took it away. You know, they're trying to discount the fact that Jesus was resurrected. But anyway, uh, look with me if you would down to verse. Um, um, uh, 62 it says now the next day that followed the day of preparation the next day that followed the day of preparation the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate so Jesus already died and this is the day after the day of preparation which by the way the day of preparation was on the 14th of Nisan okay the day that Jesus died This was the next day. The chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that the deceiver said, while he was yet alive, so they're recounting what Jesus said. After three days, I will rise again. So here again, here's another witness that Jesus said that there would be three days, and after those three days, he would rise again. So here we have three witnesses that Jesus has taught that there would be uh, three days and three nights uh, before he rose from the grave. Now, in John chapter 19, we find that there was a high Sabbath. I was just mentioning that a minute ago. Look, if you would, John chapter 19, that there was a high Sabbath. So Jesus said, Three days and and three nights. So that means that there has to be, again, evening, morning, evening, morning, evening, morning, three days, right? You can't get that from Friday to Sunday morning or Saturday evening. You can't get that. You can't get that from Thursday. The only way you can get that is from Wednesday until Sunday morning or Saturday evening, Sunday morning, right? Right? That's the only way that you can get there. As we've seen on that video and it detailed it very clearly that that is an evening and a morning. First day, 14th day of Nisan. Evening and morning, 15th day of Nisan. What was that? That was the high Sabbath. Jesus died on a Wednesday. High Sabbath on a Thursday. Friday was the day that they went and gathered the spices. Saturday was a... Uh, regular weekly Sabbath, and at the end of that Sabbath, on the Sabbath, Jesus rose from the dead. At the ending of the Sabbath, going into the next day, the first day of the week, Jesus rose, which would have been at night time, right? It would have been at night. Oh, you all right, bud? It would have been dark time, not not daybreak. It was a, the beginning of the of the first day, but the beginning of the first day isn't daybreak. It's dawn, or it's at uh, dusk, dark time. Okay, so Jesus resurrected at dusk, as the Sabbath was fading out. He was being raised from the dead, beginning of the first day of the week. And Jesus was, look at verse nineteen or John nineteen and verse uh, 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 thirty-one. Notice, if you would, this high day. A lot of people uh, don't catch this. But when Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation, it was the day of preparation, okay? It was the day of preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day. For that Sabbath was as a high day. Besought Pilate that the legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. So, they wanted to get Jesus down off the cross because it was going into about to go into the Sabbath. And they couldn't have him up on the cross according to the law. couldn't have him up on the cross. And so they had to, went to have his legs broke. But notice it was it was the preparation day. Well, the preparation day uh, was that uh, was that fourteenth day of Nisan. Same day. So Jesus died on that day. The first day of unleavened bread was on the fifteenth, which followed the Passover or the or that day of preparation. Jesus, whenever they instituted the Lord's Supper, if you remember, it was dark time, right? It was night because they went out to the Garden of Gethsemane at night and they came and the, the soldiers came by night to take him away. Judas betrayed him by night. All that happened at night time. Well, why did it happen at night time? Well, it's because it started at the dark, dark time, dusk, of the 13th, which was the beginning of the 14th day of Nisan which was, if you remember, we read back in, in, in uh, Leviticus that the day of the Passover began at even on the 14th, which the even of the 14th began at the end of the day of our day, uh, or excuse me, at the end of their day, um, which was dusk time um, on the uh, 13th. So, So here we have the day of preparation, the day of Passover, Jesus died on the same day that he they took the Lord's Supper. Now the Jews could do, the Jews could celebrate and do the Passover, as we've seen in Leviticus, from even to even. Okay? They could do it from even to even. Even. They had to kill the lamb at the end of the day, by the end of the day, But they could celebrate the Passover from day from all day long. Jesus started at the beginning of that day, but he, as that sacrificial lamb, died at the same hour that the Paschal lamb or the Passover lamb was to be killed. So he died at that exact same time. Another thing to note is they also had days of examination of those lambs. Uh, I believe it was four days that they were to examine uh, and and to make sure that these lambs were without spot and without blemish uh, before they killed these lambs and they had these lambs in and so they had a day of preparation or excuse me they had a day of examination and they examined this well if you remember Jesus prior to this day had been coming in and out of Jerusalem and going back to Bethany and each day he was going into the uh, to the town and he was doing miracles. He was preaching. He, he went into the tabernacle. That's one of the days that he went into the tabernacle and he turned over the ta- tables and he said, you know, my house will be the- called the house of prayer. And he ran all the um, people out of the tabernacle who were in there buying and selling <coughs> and, <coughs> and blaspheming against God in, 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 in the tabernacle. And um, during that period of time is whenever he proved that he was the Messiah. He proved that he was the Lamb of God. He would take away the sins of the world by the miracles and the signs that he was doing during that time. But also remember that he was also the one who was uh, brought before the, the, the men or the, the religious leaders and in that time he was examined and as we just read he was examined and they couldn't find nothing against him so they brought in two false witnesses. So the Paschal Lamb was thoroughly examined before his death. Pilate examined him. So the Jews and the Gentiles both examined this lamb and couldn't find anything wrong with him. He was perfect. Couldn't find anywhere where he had broke any law, had done anything wrong. Now the Jews thought he broke the law of blasphemy because he claimed to be God. But he didn't break no law. They thought he broke the law, but he didn't break no law because he is God. So that, that wasn't blasphemy for him to do that. So he was found without blame. He was found without spot. He was found found without any kind of uh, sin. And nobody could find anything that he had even done civilly amongst their own laws that he had broken, that they could lay blame to him for doing anything And that was before he was crucified. But on the day he was crucified. Same day. And so he he followed every Old Testament law. He was examined just like the lamb was. He was put to death at the same time as the sacrificial lamb was to be sacrificed. The Bible said that he was laid in the tomb. And the next day was the feast of unleavened bread. And so, brother, we see that there is no way that, that his death could have occurred with all the events that took place and to line up with all the, the feasts and the festivals that God had ordained for them to, to keep and that to be on Friday. Now, as I mentioned to you on your papers that I give you, and you can go and look all these up because I didn't think I'd have time to go through all of these. But you can go through a lot of these that's here and then also at the bottom of your papers on these other two things. And you can see when the women did what. And the verses. And pay close attention to the wording of it. That they went there on the, uh, uh, on the evening of. On the morning of. The day dawned towards that. Now, I'm going to, I ran out of time today, but I want to also, I don't want to just put forth the things, why we think what we think, I also want to answer the questions to people that have a question, because there does seem to be some contradictions in God's word when it revolves around this, one of them being the women and getting their spices, so that's why I really didn't get into that much today, but we're going to look at that, Lord willing, next week, because... I also want to answer any questions that might arise on contradictions in God's word. Because there are some that says that, like on the road to Emmaus, uh, the men who were walking on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus came after he resurrected. Uh, that was, it, in one passage, it looks like it was the day after he resurrected. The uh, Another scripture says that those men said that it's been... Three days since he resurrected, and so is that a contradiction? Well, let's we're gonna we want to look at that. So I want to answer any of those questions, and if there's any questions you guys might have, hopefully I can answer those as, as well. Um, but does anybody have any questions this morning about this? I know it's kind of, kind of was a little bit jumbled, but um, uh, I, my main point was to to show you that the time. And the timing is what's very important and Jesus himself said three days and three nights and the only way that that can fit what Jesus said, where Jesus is truth the feasts are kept and the days on the same days and the fulfillment of all those things, the exact time when Jesus died in fulfillment of all those things as the, as the fulfillment of those types and foreshadows and the Sabbath, the extra Sabbath and everything how can all that fit if there's a Thursday or a Friday crucifixion, well it can't so that's why we believe what we believe on these things Mm -hmm. and uh, again I'm open for correction on that, I know I've seen that there's a lot of things out on the internet that support uh, a Thursday and a Friday I don't see how Friday can be supported at all but there are some Reformed men that I've been looking at this week that are uh, very adamant that uh, Wednesday is the the craziest day to pick. And then there's more validity in a Thursday, but they say that Friday has to be the day. But to me, they've got the calendar off. The calendar's off on that. But anyway, again, I'm not going to fight with anybody over any of this stuff, but I do think it's something that somebody ought to look into at least because the Lord did give us the exact days uh, to keep these things uh, in the past. And Jesus was the fulfillment of it. And so for Christ to have fulfilled all things, he, sh- he would have had to fulfill them the way that God had required them to be fulfilled. And so that's why we put importance on this. is Because it coincides, just like with the Lord's Supper, just like with the baptism. Why do we stress water baptism by full immersion of believers? Because there is a picture involved in that, that Jesus had said, make disciples. Disciples are ones who believe and follow Christ, right? So those are the only ones you baptize. You don't baptize babies who don't know anything. You can't exercise or uh, exercise. They can't exhibit their faith. You know. Um. Why do we dunk all the way underneath the water? Well, because number one, that was the that was the uh, example that was already given to us, the word itself means to be fully immersed, but it also uh, signifies our death, burial, and resurrection our union with Christ in that death, burial and resurrection mm-hmm. that his death, burial, and resurrection meant our death, burial, and resurrection we died with him, we rose with him and so that symbol is, is there and Christ made it that way because, it, because of the, the content behind it the the spiritual teaching behind it. Same thing with the Lord's Supper. Why do we use unleavened bread? Why do we use wine and not grape juice? Well, that's because the Bible teaches those things, and they're symbolic. The unleavened bread uh, pictured Christ's uh, perfect uh, perfect uh, body, or his his perfection, his sinless body that was broken for us. It was his flesh that was broken for us. And that his uh, blood was uh, was spotless and sinless. It wasn't defiled. It wasn't of the earth, earthy. But it was pure uh, to, to be shed for our cleansing. And that that blood uh, was represented in wine, which there is no impurities in wine. Wine doesn't have any leaven in it. There is no leaven in wine. And so that, that's why Christ uh, used those symbols. And if you take and change the symbol, then you change the spiritual meaning behind it. And Christ instituted that way for a reason. Same thing with what we're seeing here. God gave these things in the Old Testament for a sign and a purpose. And those things was the point of what Christ would do. And for Christ to fulfill those, he had to fulfill them as God had ordained them to be done. Otherwise, he'd have been disobedient to God, just like... <laughs> If we do the Lord's Supper with Twinkies and chocolate milk, you know, that's, you know, that's not what Christ instituted. And therefore, just like Paul, whenever Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he said, you guys are saying you're doing the Lord's Supper, but that is not the Lord's Supper that you're doing. That is not the Lord's Supper. You're thinking that's the Lord's Supper. And there's a lot of churches today we could probably say that you think you're doing the Lord's Supper, but that's not the Lord's Supper because that's not the way He instituted it, and that's not the way He designed it to be carried out. Same thing today, brother. uh... There's no righteousness that we gain from any of that, but it is just the admonition to follow the Lord and what He has uh, given for us to do in remembrance of Him. And so we don't base fellowship on people that celebrate you know holidays. You know we don't we don't we don't cast out people who may go to have their church. They may decide they want to do their church on Friday or Saturday or something like that. You know we don't we don't get uptight about those things. Is there a precedence? I think set forth to meet on Sunday. I think there is. Is there a uh, is there a command that we have to do that? No, I don't believe there is. But anyway. That being said Has anybody got any questions? Comments? Any additions or subtractions? Does anybody really care?